Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Movies. My name is Ian, and on the line right now, we have Nick as well. I I got to say, Nick, I, I'm really, really excited to talk about this movie, about Scream 5, and I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of other things on the way, as, as we normally do. <laughs> but I'm also, I don't, maybe I'm coming into this review for the first time not having all of my ideas in order or not having my emotions in order like I thought I would. But but before we go into all that, tell me in general, what is your background with the Scream franchise? Ian, I'll be honest, next to nothing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, look, yeah. I like having I like having and I think we like having different opinions on the show. So this will be a completely different perspective from both of us. Yeah, I think it's funny that they even kind of talk about, you know, my breed of horror movie in the movie, like when they kick it off. I don't want to spoil elevated, anything because I'm sure we'll talk horror. about it. Yeah, well, I mean, for the main part, other than like Halloween and Friday the 13th, and I I guess that's about it for me. Like I, my childhood wasn't built around a lot of slashers. Right, right, exactly. Well, at least at least go through this. Have you seen all of the Scream movies up to Scream 5? I have not. I've seen Scream 1 and 2. I watched a bit of Scree 4M, <laughs> and I stopped watching the bit of Scree 4M. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> I loved the first one. I'll say that much. Like, that was an amazing formula. The twist at the end really got me. Sure. And I, I definitely liked it. Um, after that, I, I kind of waned in interest. Mm -hmm. But, right. yeah, definitely really enjoyed the first one. So Yeah, well, it is. I mean, to me, it's the best. But let's let's do this. We're going to give a little background just like you just did i i'm gonna say for sure scream one well it's whatever original scream for me is my favorite all-time horror movie it's also the very first horror movie i ever saw and the first rated r movie that i ever saw oh. i was dude i was super little i should not have been watching these movies and <laughs> i think i told the story if I'm not mistaken, I told the story when we did, basically, I think it was Kelly and I originally did an episode of Ian Hates Movies on the Scream franchise at the time, which was Scream 1, 2, and 3. So we did an encapsulation episode to talk about everything. And I think I told the story, basically, at that time when Scream 1 came out, I had this very old VCR. And just saying VCR, some people might not even know what I'm fucking talking about. But there was a VCR, and I was super young. I might have been, I don't know, five or six or some shit. I, I don't remember. It was very, very young. But that VCR, you could actually tune in stations when you switched over to that source. So I could tune in pay-per-view channels. And for anyone else oh. that, yeah, that, that might not know what pay-per-view channels are as well, because that's a possibility... Uh, you used to be able to almost stream off your TV and you would buy certain movies the same way you would go rent movies. And that's also a new concept for people. But anyways, we won't go all the way back in our <laughs> DeLorean to talk about all that stuff. But so with that dial in, there was a time where when Scream 1 went from theaters into VHS, you could actually tune in. The pay-per-view channels would have Scream 24-7. So you would just tune in and buy it whenever you were going to watch it. So it was playing constantly for months at this 24-hour channel. So I just dialed it in and just kept on watching it. I just loved it so much. And it also jaded me 
for any other horror movie because I can't possibly get scared of anything because I saw this when I was so young. That's a pretty good skill. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I don't know. I think it probably fucked with my emotional skills and ability <laughs> to be in relationships and whatnot. But other than that. Hey, that's something for Kiss the Ring. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I'm sure I will get into that at some point. But I, I always... So I've, without hyperbole, I have seen Scream, the original, over 300 times, given. Like, that and Donnie Darko are the two movies that I will always love in my life, and there will probably never be any movie that can overtake them. It's just not possible. So I looked up on Rotten Tomatoes because I wanted to, we want to talk scores a little bit. So they ranked, currently, all the Rotten Tomato scores for every Scream part of the franchise. So Scream 3 is the lowest, actually, at 41%. Then the TV show, which we are not going to go into whatsoever, the TV show and Scream 4 are actually at 61% each. So you're in that kind of tomato range or whatever they want to call it. Now, Scream itself, the one, Scream 5, that we are going to talk about mostly today, that actually currently has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, then Scream 1 is actually not the top rated. It is a second at 79%. And then Scream 2, the very rare sequel that has a better Rotten Tomatoes score is actually at 81%. So when you look at that, Nick, well, I mean, seeing Scream 2, would you say you like Scream 2 better than Scream 1? No. (laughs) I I mean, I agree. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is just like the first time I saw it, it was, I mean, it was literally like my first like real slasher movie. So it was completely groundbreaking to go from like, you know, not having any knowledge of the genre to like seeing, you know, one of the groundbreaking masterpieces. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think at least for me and anyone listening to the show, I'm sure has seen the original screen. Plus they kind of talk about it in screen five, which we'll get to, but that whole ending scene to me, is still complete genius. It's something that no one guessed. There had never really been two killers before. And then just the the monologue, the speeches that they were giving, it was just, it just blew my mind at the time. And then how horrific it was that the killers were somebody close to the person who was actually, you know, being victimized. So all that stuff plays a huge role in why I think that's better. Now, I love the sequel as well. I actually really like Screen 3, and I think now I kind of wish people would go back and watch Screen 3 again and understand kind of how ahead of its time it was because they retconned before it was such a big deal to retcon things. So to be able to go back, and this is for you, Nick, I'm not sure if you even know the background of Scream 3 at all, but basically what happens in it is it turns out that Sidney Prescott actually has a half-brother. That half-brother comes from when her mother was actually a Hollywood actress for a very short time. She was in, you know, those those B-rated, C-rated horror movies and sci-fi movies and whatnot. And it turns out that that half-brother actually was the one that showed the film to Billy Loomis, you know, one of the original killers in Scream, showed him the, the film of his father, you know, basically having an affair with Maureen Prescott. So he was really technically the mastermind behind setting up Billy to do what he ended up doing. So they actually, I was kind of surprised they did not mention any of that in Scream 5, but I think they did it 
because they wanted to show that newer movies can kind of choose whatever parts of the previous franchise they want to use. That would be kind of my guess on that. But Screen 3 was extremely meta, and so is Screen 4, and so is Screen 5. And the ratings for Scream 3, a lot of people say it's too meta, quote-unquote. But I don't think that even exists when we just ripped apart the Matrix for what <laughs> they just did. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit strange. So one of the things I also want to get into, I want to kind of, I don't want this episode to be super, super long. So I'm trying to like run through <laughs> this stuff a little bit because I can honestly talk about this for fucking forever. So I, I don't often bring this up, but it came to my attention. I was talking to uh, a good guy on Twitter. I think his name is is Che. It's C-H-A-Y. So I don't think you call it K. I think it's Che. But I kind of made the comment when... I was done with the movie. I did a no spoiler kind of just little thing on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot and socials just saying that, you know, I'm in my opinion, I didn't say it this way. I said most fans hate Scream 4. I had never met a person who's like Scream 4 ex until two people, basically. That's that's my whole life. And he kind of was a little bit irritated by that, that I said that. And I was like, well, look, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Scream 4. I like some of the things that were done from it, but when, even though if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes as we went over, you know, at a 61%, that's still not very good, especially when you talk about how now it seems like, how do you even rate, how do you rate movies anymore when every superhero movie is in the 90 percentile of Rotten Tomatoes? Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like every DC movie <laughs> that we know sucks on every single level yep. still has an above 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. So how can you really, truly look at that and say, well, so many people liked it. Those are critics. Yep. They're not the people that are doing podcasts. They're not the people that love the series. They're not those people. So I kind of separate that from when I talk about who loves a certain movie or whatever. So I wanted to go over a little bit of the box office results because that's also an indication sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes of whether a movie is good or not. Once again, comic book movies don't seem to play that part because a shitty fucking DC movie, you know, makes billions of dollars. So it's, it's oh, tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? it's, it's tough <laughs> they're going to gonna, they're gonna make another Snyder cut. I mean, oh, the money will keep yeah. rolling in. <laughs> and I can't wait. I'm super excited. I'm sure this you're going to be eight excited. hours long. Ian. No. <laughs> so then our episode will be 16 hours long. So, <laughs> so anyway, so let's do lifetime gross. I thought this was kind of interesting. Lifetime gross so far for Scream is over 103 million. Scream 2 is 101. Scream 3 is 89 million. But Scream 4 is only 38 million. Wow. And the opening as well is super low compared to the others. It's just, it's very interesting when people talk about how much you like a movie. Normally, that gross, especially when you've had a movie that comes out 10 years after. So Scream 4 should have had, now you could say it's a little bit ahead of its time, and I would agree in some aspects. But normally, when you take a franchise that's beloved, and has a whole shit ton of money backing it, and then you make a movie 10 years later, you expect all that nostalgia to come back and have people watch it, but they didn't, which to me means in general, 
that most people probably said, at least fans, would say, don't bother with seeing it in the theater. Just wait till it's streaming or wait till you can get it for cheaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's at having least. A, sorry. Yeah, the whole Nick, point you're, of having, sorry. You're, you're kind of fading in and out. Go ahead. Yeah. I think to me, the, the whole point of having a sequel that far into the franchise, like number four, is that you can capitalize on fans and knowledge of the series. Right. So the fact that you have such a low gross, uh, to me at least, you're right, Ian, is is a sign of you know that the, nobody wanted to tell their friends to see it. Right. Yeah. That's that's the way I would normally look at it. But I also would my positives for Scream Four because we've never done a show on it. But my positives for Scream Four is it was a little bit ahead of its time. You know, the the killers were interested in attention in the form of social media. You know, being the hero, not having to work. You know, not having to have like a real yeah. job and stuff like that. And, you know, five years ago or seven years ago or whatever, when Scream uh, 4 came out, it was a time where that hadn't taken as much hold on people as it has now. So it was a little bit ahead of its time with those ideas. And, you know, seeing Sidney Prescott and all that kind of stuff was was great. But that movie is inherently flawed by saying we're going to make fun of rebooting a series by just going back to how dumb reboots are. You have to still make a good movie. You can't just lean on, hey, we've made all these characters ridiculously stupid because that's what happens in other reboots. That yeah. that's too you can't you can't lean on that. It's it's not right to your fan base. Plus, Emma Roberts was horrible in the movie. As much as I like her in other things, she was atrocious in Scream 4, and the whole Fight Club ripoff of her beating herself up to make it look like she was in a real fight and stuff like that, it was laughable. I mean, in the theater, it was everyone was just laughing their fucking asses off, and that's not what this movie wants. This movie wants you to laugh at the sarcasm, the quick wit, the meta parts of it. That just doesn't work. Plus, in her personality in the whole movie, you never get the feeling that she would be that type of person to want that kind of attention. So there are no, there's nothing laid in the groundwork for you to really think that that's going to happen. Now, the whole filming aspect of things, that also was kind of, I wouldn't say ahead of its time, but it was done well enough that you understood what they were going for. So there are some positives in Scream 4, but I would definitely have it, at least, in, and we'll talk about this more, obviously, but I'll, I have it as the worst of the franchise right now. That's my opinion. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's mine. But we will go into that. So we have actually Nick and I have not really talked to each other about whether oh. each of us like this movie. Now, the question, Nick, I have a feeling I'm going to come out and say things that are going to lead people to believe it. Do you want to just go over that now or do you want to wait till the end of the show to go over our opinions? Yeah, like your overall feeling yeah. when you left the theater. Yeah. I would say overall positive. OK. All right. So that's, I always. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the easiest way to describe it, like in a sentence, is I walked to my car and I was like a little bit still in that universe. You know, I was like a little scared, ah. <laughs> which was great. I mean, like, you know, full disclosure, this is the first time I've been to a theater in probably two years to see a movie. Oh, sure. So there was there was that bias. Like the atmosphere is completely different when you've got a 24 diagonal foot screen in front of you. <laughs> sure. But overall, I enjoyed it. It was a positive experience. 
Yeah, I got to tell you, Ian? by the way, I got to tell a quick story. So, yeah, do it. I went that Thursday. So the official opening or the unofficial, I guess now they they let you see movies on a Thursday before the actual release on Friday and they're not doing the midnight showings. You can actually go at like 7 fucking p.m. So I went to the show. The theater wasn't full, but it was pretty busy. But I chose one of the first couple rows. You know, you have to now plan your seat out if you want the recliners yeah. and all that shit. So I go and I'm I'm not asking anyone to go with me. I just went because it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. I was like, would I even have time on Thursday? And also in my mind, I was way more excited for Scream 5 than I was for Scream 4. Scream 4 looked bad to me. Scream 5, I was interested because they had to do something crazy in this movie. And even though I would have preferred the entire franchise to stop at three, I don't know why I just felt, I don't know, maybe it was just because I wanted something different that was familiar. I don't know. It, it was something that just that just forced me to go see this movie. So I went and I'm sitting there by myself and I've got a beer and I'm just like very casual. And as the movie starts, when we're in that first scene with Tara and she's talking to Ghostface, all of a sudden, some dude comes up right next to me. It's a it's a, a a theater worker, and he goes, "Hey, can I check your ticket?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah." Some people think you shouldn't be here. What? Yeah, and I wanted to follow up on that, but I want to watch the fucking movie and I want to see what's going on. Like there were forty five fucking minutes of trailers. At any yeah. point, somebody could have come up and <laughs> checked on things. Apparently, I look younger than 18 which i guess is great <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm completely fine with that yeah but so i showed him the i showed him the thing and then never and he was like okay and then never heard from him again and didn't hear him go around ask anyone else so i think i i don't know even i guess what to think it, it was just so weird i've never had that happen in a theater before that is so weird yeah it, it was crazy so anyways that's just a, a side thing so when i left the theater i was I was deep in contemplation, I guess is the one. Yeah, I, I I wanted to love it, and we're going to get to positive and negatives of the movie. I really want to see it again. I, I am not the type of person to pay again for a movie. I, I, I won't do that, but I'll wait till it comes out on streaming or voodoo or whatever, and if I really like a movie, I'll go ahead and purchase it so that I'll be able to watch it again. But I will not pay to go see a movie again. I just, I don't see the point in in doing that. So I want to see it again to see some of maybe the nuances that I might have missed or whatnot. But when I came out of the theater, I did have a more positive feeling uh, for sure. So I would recommend it for fans. Absolutely. For other people, I'm not exactly sure I would recommend it because I think you do have to at least have the knowledge of Scream 1. You might not really have to have the knowledge of anything else, but Scream 1 you definitely do. Otherwise, I think some of those nuances and some of the craziness that we're going to talk about and hopefully make fun of would be totally lost on you. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I'd agree. And I mean, I'm much less involved in the franchise. So yeah, you're right. Some of that stuff was hard to initially wrap my head around because they do kind of throw it at you quick. Yes. But they also, since they throw it at you quick, it's out of your mind quick. They right. are very good at like transitioning out of those moments. I would say if you have seen, 
or is it scary movie one enough sure. times sure is it that one is that scream yes that was the yeah yeah the original make fun of the scream franchise yeah yeah i would say if you've seen scary movie one enough times you probably have the necessary backstory to get the bare minimum out of this movie like to That's understand possible. enough of the mechanics to get through it what if nick what if you watched scary movie but never watched scream <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just think of that uh, type I, of person. Like, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So, right off the bat, let me let me mention this. So, not seeing the Dimension logo when the movie started was very strange to me. And that goes back to, you know, all the Harvey Weinstein stuff. Um, you know, they had to sell that whole, you know... A Weinstein company and everything had to sell the rights to Scream. So for you, you're not used to that. But for one, two, three, and four, it was all Dimension films. That's the first thing you see. And you're like, yes, this is Scream. And Dimension used to be that, that I mean, they worked with Kevin Williamson a lot. Um, and they did The Faculty and like all those, I think, disturbing behavior maybe. Like all those 2000s, 90s teen horror angst movies and stuff like that. So that that kind of did embroil Scream a little bit, even though that's on a much higher level, you know, that kind of thing. But, oh, and I know what you did last summer, I think, was Dimension as well. So it, it was uh, a shock kind of to not see that logo. But obviously, you know, Scream 3 actually had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff that had to deal with Harvey Weinstein possibly and stuff like that. So you have to understand that stuff's not going to be in there. Gotcha. So that was that was a little jarring at first, but then you get into the movie itself, and you've got that very first part of the movie where you've got the young girl, and this one happens to be now. I don't. I'm not good with actual people's names and whatnot, but I always look at what they were in that I know them from, and she was in a fucking great movie that I love, which is the Babysitter Killer Queen. Do you remember her, Tara? No. Oh yeah, she was the one who he ends up hooking up with. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's her, the badass girl. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, all right. So when I saw her, I was like, okay, okay, this this might not be too bad. Hmm. So they set it up that the mother is gone. She's in like London or some shit, and her mom's a drunk. And this guy who's calling is trying to get information from her. I, I might have missed a little part of this because of the fucking theater guy who was asking me where my seat was or whatever. So I believe... It was something where he might have said he was basically dating the mom and then was asking background questions about her or something like that. So, yep. you know, the mom's a drunk. It's obviously Ghostface on the phone because you can hear the familiar voice. And then he kind of leans into the very cool. Now this is Ghostface voice, which I fucking love. That guy is so good. I fucking love that voice so much. So, and he does the ask the questions thing, and then he's talking about her friend Amber, or she was talking to her friend Amber by text message, and it turns out it's not Amber, and then, you know, you go through that, but that first scene was way more brutal than I thought it was going to be, because normally Ghostface doesn't do anything other than stab people, but he broke her fucking leg during it which to me showed now you're upping the ante in the series you're going to be doing some different things as well so i like that little touch plus it does look like by the end that he is going to kill her it turns out that he doesn't and you know right there that's the bait 
you know, that yep. that that happens first. But that's never really been done before, except when you think of something like maybe Scream 3, which was to bring Sydney back. You know, they killed Cotton Weary because that was such a big deal to kill such a major character or major side character in Scream 1 and Scream 2. So this was a little bit of different way to start things off. What did you think about that first scene? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really did. It, I think it was done really well. I loved the conversation where, you know, Ghostface is gradually starting to prod and get information. Yeah. And then like, oh, do you like scary movies? <laughs> I was like, that was amazing. That really like ramped up the tension well. Right. And then like, as we get into like the initial like chase, shall we call it, that entire first scene was just amazing. They, yeah. It's in the trailer, which kind of like I didn't love right, that right. they gave it away like so heavily, like the entire first scene is in one of the trailers. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the automatic door locking and yes. unlocking smart home stuff. Right. I loved that. Right. Like that was so cool. Like you could see it was acted very well. Like you could see like she's trembling. She's trying to like lock the house and it mm-hmm. keeps unlocking. I think that was done so well. I wish they cut that out of the trailer because if you didn't know that was going to happen, the suspense of that scene would have been like ramped through the roof. Right, right. And it it leads an Easter egg right away to, well, someone has to know how to do that. Someone has to have the ability to change that control, which leads to her sister later on. So it sets up the seed of doubt right there. The mystery is there. Someone who has to know her well enough to get that app on their phone and know the password to be able to control it as well. So yeah. I thought that was done well. Also, you know, they already they start with a quote unquote enhanced horror that we talked about. She talks about how mm-hmm. she likes the Baba Duke and It Follows and all these movies that I like as well, but they should be in a different category than Scream. You know, they they are a different type of movie, and that is normally what a lot of people like nowadays. It's, it's kind of funny if you think about the original um, Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man, and then the remake with Nicolas Cage, which is, I fucking love that movie so much. Uh, <laughs> not just the bees. I mean, not the bees, the bees. It, it's fucking amazing. Nick Cage just elevates, because I actually really like the original but the mm-hmm. remake is just so great because of Nick Cage. It's just fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. But you take A24 and they make, they make Midsummer or Midsommar or however fucking pretentious way you want to say it. And Midsommar is a very subpar Wicker Man. Oh, but people would look at that and go, well, I'm fancy pants and I'm pretentious and I like that because I'm a hipster movie guy. But they and they go Nick Cage, blah, that Wicker Man, blah. But Wicker Man is a better overall movie in many aspects than Midsommar is. So it, it is funny to make that slasher comparison to other types of horror movies. I, I like that. I think that worked out. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. And it was well timed. And yeah, because of the conversation, it just worked its way right in there. And yeah. I guess that's the start of the meta ness of the movie, which was kind of nice. It was nice yeah. to like set the scene it was kind of sarcastic and humorous which i enjoyed mm-hmm. you know kind yeah. of cutting through the tension a bit but it was a lot nice of fun, pun. Nice little... pun. i like it yeah hey. <laughs> so i i'm not sure once again on this one i'm not sure we want to go completely scene by scene i think it might be better just to talk in generalities i think yeah. for this especially because we only saw it once but let's talk mm-hmm. about 
the characters, because I have a list here. I didn't remember everyone's name. Like, you can quiz me on names from all the different screams, but it's tough when you just saw a movie. So that was Tara, yep. Tara Carpenter. And then we meet Tara's sister, Samantha Sam Carpenter. And Samantha, and you can tell right away when you look at those sisters, unless you're dumb, you have to know they don't have the same uh, father or mother. It's one of the two. So, you know, that that kind of shows is kind of a surprise link between the two is to realize that they're actually sisters. So then you've got uh, Richie, who's the boyfriend of Sam, and he's actually the guy from The Boys, one of the main. Yeah. Yeah, just the regular dude who has his girlfriend killed in like the first episode or whatever. Is Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yep. I'm trying to remember his name in that. Yeah. That was a little surprising because I thought he yeah. was like 40 something years old. <laughs> so to play like a 20 something year old uh, was a little bit shocked on that, but it is what it is. Obviously, you have uh, David Arquette as Dewey. You've got Sidney Prescott, who wasn't in the movie a lot. I mean, I understand why they did it. I absolutely loved it when she came into the movie, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Then you've got uh, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers. Uh, I know you're not supposed to comment on this stuff because it's 2022. She looks like a fucking monster. Oh, yeah. That is not the amount of work you should have done, kids. No. She fucked up her face royally. I'm not talking oh, yeah. about her being older. Everybody gets older. Nev Campbell got older, but she's still hot as fuck because she's Sydney <laughs> fu- fucking Prescott. So Gail Weathers could have been the same, but she fucked her face up royally. Anyone who's seen Cougar Town knows that. Anyone who's seen Scream 4, they all know she fucked up her face, and she looks like a slanted monster. She just does. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. It sucks. Age gracefully next time. That's that's the way <laughs> to go. Uh, then you have uh, Wes Hicks. And Wes Hicks is played by the kid who was in 13 Reasons Why. <laughs> yeah. A bold choice. A very bold choice. But I will say I might have orgasmed when he was killed. <laughs> because that's all I wanted in 13 Reasons Why was for him to die at some point. And he never did. I'm sorry, spoiler alert for 13 Reasons Why. Anyways, so then you have the two or the twin nephews of Randy from Randy Meeks from Scream 1, 2, and a brief cameo in Scream 3. They are Chad and Mindy Meeks, and they even brought uh, Randy's sister from Scream 3 into this movie as well, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Then you've got Amber, who I mentioned before. I don't know her from anything. You've got this girl, Liv, uh, who is super annoying. Um, I don't know her from anything. You've got uh, Sheriff Judy Hicks from Scream 4, also the mother of Wes. And then you've got Kyle Garner played Vince Snyder. He was the dirtbag guy who I guess Liv had hooked up with one summer because Liv is dating Chad. So they kind of put a little teen drama thing in there. But he had a very small, small part. But I actually really like Kyle Garner. I think he's in a lot. And it turns out he's related to Stu Mocker from uh, Scream 1, one of the other killers. Uh, but they don't play with that enough. They don't. They give him a very quick death, and that's it. But I think he might have also been in there as an Easter egg because there are a few things for Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson that they put in the movie. and. He played uh, uh, one of the main roles in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake that we've talked about on this show before. Yeah, that was a great casting choice, by the way. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he encapsulated that role for sure, 
I just wish he had more of a role. I would have liked him yeah, to be a, a part of that role. Yeah, I wanted him to be a part of that friend group. Like that's yeah. that's what I would have wanted. But it is what it is. So then uh, I won't I won't talk about this one. But then you've got Mar- Martha and you've got a couple of the deputies. So really, those are the characters. So the friend group is it's Tara, Amber, um, not really Sam anymore because they tell the whole backstory. Sam left. Um, you know, and that's she's with Richie in somewhere else other than Woodsboro, somewhere in California, I believe. So you've got Amber, Liv, Chad, Mindy, and Wes. I think that's the friend group. And then Sam used to be kind of a part of that friend group, but she isn't anymore. Is that does that sound about right? Oh yeah. All right. So let's let's get to let's get to one of the big reveals because oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I think it was one of the funniest parts of the movie. So it turns out, and Sam tells Tara this later, Tara doesn't know this at the time, but Sam is actually the the daughter of Billy Loomis. So apparently they have now retconned this, that while Billy was dating Sydney in Scream 1, he also had at least one side piece. And we're never really told... I guess you would say their last name is Car or her last name might be Carpenter, but you're never told about this character. It's not someone that you're supposed to know or anything like that. It just happens. And why the way I justified it was in Scream One, Billy was wanted to fuck Sydney so bad, and Sydney would not fuck him. So maybe he was cheating on her because he was able to have sex with this other girl. Yeah. So it's weird that you don't use that for an alibi or set that up earlier, but they've retconned it, so that's the way they do it. Now, the other thing I want to mention on this is it goes to the fact that I think in a lot of areas in this movie, the writers slash whatever are actually trolling fans a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because the most beloved Scream villain is Stu Mocker, Matthew Lillard. That's the most beloved for sure. So there and people were making theories and it's always been kind of a a running fan fiction type theory that Stu could still be alive, that he actually didn't die. I mean, the people have said that before, but it would have probably and maybe I'm putting myself now into fan fiction writer category, which I guess the screenwriters fucking hate, but we'll get to that. But it feels like they actually it would have made more sense to have Stu be the one who had the child and not Billy. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that would have fit in a lot better in my personal opinion. But then again, I don't have a lot invested, I guess, Sure. as not a super fan. Right, right. But if you remember Scream 1 as you do, Billy had a motive. You know, his his mom well, sorry, his dad was fucking Sydney's mom, so she left. I mean, and his mom left, sorry. And then obviously his mom came back as a fucking psychopath in the second and, tr- and killed people. And that was one of the main killers in Scream 2. So there was a there's a whole mess up family dynamic there. But Stu was really just along for the ride. He He just, you know, he was kind of a psychopath, obviously. And Billy convinced him to join him. And that was his only motive in the movie was his buddy was killing people. And he thought it'd be cool to fucking kill people like that. That was it. He probably, if they had gone to trial, would have gotten a reduced sentence because he could have said something about Billy making him do it, whatever. You know what I mean? So I think they were trolling people by making it Billy, who is who is the father. But anyways. So now let's get to the very funny part. 
So I thought, I thought originally they were going to leave it at that. Okay, she's she's on antipsychotic med- medication because she's worried that, you know, she'll be like her father, you know, who she never met, by the way, obviously. So she's worried about that. I get that. When the vision started, that's when I was laughing in my head because <laughs> I thought, and I want to know your perspective from being an outsider. What do you think? when Billy Loomis started to show up as visions to her. Oh, man. It gave me Ghost of Christmas Past vibes. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way I, I the way I was thinking was, I was thinking it was like, it was, you know, we've had a lot of Weinstein stuff. Why not give a shout out to fucking Bill Cosby and look at Ghost Dad? <laughs> 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 and, by the way, I have to mention, him showing up in the visions in the bloody clothes that he was killed in. Yeah. That's also fucking weird. He's got like blood, I think, on his face at some points too. Uh, That is the weird part to me is why would you choose that way to do that? Like, I I guess I get the visions, but I don't know. Have him just wear his regular school apparel. Have him wear whatever he was wearing when he was hanging out. (laughs) I just... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of a cheap out because then, like, you can have the person be around but make it, like, jarring for both the audience and Sam. Right. So in yeah. that case, it's not like, oh, like, I'm having visions, like, I have an imaginary best friend. It's like, oh, Sam is, like, deeply disturbed by this. Yes. No, absolutely. And we'll get to one of the major scenes, obviously, a little bit later on. But, yeah, man, I just, I don't know. That was that was a little jarring, like you said. I, I don't know if it really worked for me. I mean, I love seeing Billy Loomis, obviously. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So that was nice, I guess. That was kind of that fan service that they were talking about, I guess. Yeah. But I like to have things be more cohesive. That's, yeah, you know, yeah. that I, I would prefer that. So what ends up happening, obviously, is Tara is the bait. So Sam comes back with the boyfriend, you know, right away. I don't know. Do you want to talk about the killers now or should we wait? You know, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. I, I think we should do it now because okay. now that I'm kind of thinking through the plot, uh, I I might start bearing the lead on if this conversation is changing my opinion on the movie. Ah, we'll see. Okay. So I think if let's kick it off now so I can start building suspense <laughs> for how my opinion is changing. Well, here, here, we'll do this. When in the movie, or did you know, did you, were you guessing in your head or did you just completely just go, I'm going along with the movie. Did you guess who the killers were or did you not? Yeah, I guessed the boyfriend. Okay. The boyfriend's easy. I was not sure about the other killer. Sure. I mean, like, the acting wasn't great. She was just like some bitchy friend, Amber. Yeah, right, right, right. But, like, it wasn't a likable character. So I was just like, eh, maybe she's a killer. But the boyfriend definitely yeah, that okay, so that's good. Now I had both killers for sure. My and I'll tell you the moments that I knew which ones were the killer. So mm. like I said, uh Amber was kind of set up at the beginning because they were using her phone. That's too easy to guess it then because there is cloning technology and and they kind of go over that a little bit. More when I was madder about Amber was when she had put up the fuss or matter about it, that when I knew she was she was probably the killer or one of the killers was when she was mad about Wes reaching out to 
uh, Sam to come back. Because that, I go, there's no reason, like, you might not like her, but you could see how protective she was over Tara. And that, to me, and protective over Tara, but in a weird, strange way, where originally I thought maybe they were lesbians. And we, Mm -hmm. it it turns out Mindy's a lesbian. Um, But I thought originally that was the play they were going for. And then the way she interacted with people just made her seem to be that type of person where Liv, the the girlfriend of Chad, who everyone's supposed to look at as the possible killer, it was like, there's no chance it's her. Like you can just X that one out right away. Now I would have actually preferred, I was weighing the options of one or both actually Uh, to be quite honest. I might have done it that Mindy and Chad were the two killers because I think that would have, first of all, it would have broken a lot of stereotypes because right there you can say, look, you've got an African-American, two African-American killers, a woman and a lesbian all wrapped up in one, which would have just like broken the internet. I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't go in that direction. But as the movie goes on, you realize they're, they're very like, um, wholesome-ish characters. So they're most like, they are Randy. Like, they're basically Randy except for, you know, West, uh, sorry, Chad plays sports. You know, so yeah. it's, it's <laughs> you know, different different there. But, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and then I knew Richie for sure, even though I looked at him as, oh yeah, you know, your, your sister's in trouble. Yeah, I'll just go with you. I don't know. You kind of, there's got to be more to that. And then also when he got the cut in the hospital, they were playing off of Scream 2, how they were trying to set up the boyfriend in Scream 2, Jerry O'Connell, by just hitting him without hitting any major veins. That's when I knew for sure he was one of the killers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So because I knew they played that game in Scream 2, it turns out that the boyfriend wasn't. And actually, Jerry O'Connell was fucking awesome in that movie. Derek, fucking great. But everyone, just like Dewey said when they met up, the first thing you have to look at is the love interest. Always. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, those are the fucking rules. So that made sense. Now, so talking about the killers and why things happen, I think that was, that was good to go over. I originally, when I came into the movie, I thought they might do children of, you know, so that's why I was kind of looking at, at um, the Meeks kids because I thought maybe they would go in that direction. The other thing I thought, because if they really wanted to piss people off, I kind of figured I had already kind of had it in my head that Gale and Dewey, even though they ended Scream 4 on a very good note, like that was going to be it, everyone's good, blah, blah, blah. I kind of had this feeling that Gale and Dewey weren't going to be together anymore. And I saw Dewey being a rundown, you know, living in a trailer, not having his life together, and missing his friends and missing the love of his life and wanting to capture that stuff again. So I kind of almost had it as Dewey being the architect behind either being one of the killers or getting two or three killers to, to be under his control kind of thing. Yeah. And it didn't turn out to be that way, but I thought that might be a direction they would go in because they had never done that before. So they obviously didn't do that. The two killers, like I said, easy to guess, but do you really care about them? I would say absolutely not. Why would you care about these two people whatsoever, right? 
Yeah, uh, something else I just now thought about. Hate oh, to derail okay. a little bit. No, go ahead. But uh, I like the way they were setting up like the psychotic breaks with Sam, mm-hmm. like gradually showing more and more in the bloody shirt. I guess we do get some kind of, you know, something out of that at the end of the movie that I won't spoil yet. <laughs> but I my other one other than Dewey as a possible was kind of Sam and like I wondered sure. if like yeah of course like if she's going to stop taking her medication I didn't think she was going to be one of the top 2 killers mm-hmm. but I imagined like man what if she has a psychotic break and she's got the genetics and right. you know they play off the family element so heavily like I I thought Sam would be a contender for like not one of the original killers but like maybe she just breaks and she yeah. just starts killing people completely divorced from the original killers that would be different that would be a different yeah. way to go. For for me, I was I went. She's the red herring. That's you know yeah. she's her and her and Liv are the red herrings here. But mm-hmm. that would have been interesting. That yeah, if she had stopped taking her medic medications and was just basically yeah driven by her genetics and decided to be a killer, which would have made her the third killer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm with you. That actually that might have been pretty interesting. That that might have worked. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously. You know, uh, the killers keep on killing people. That's that's what they do. They took out the sheriff from Scream 4. And they took out her kid, Wes, who is the guy from 13 Reasons Why. I really liked that death scene. I thought that was oh, yeah. really, really well done. Just the slow watching the knife go through his throat and out the other side. And the killer just kind of being hypnotized by what they were doing. I, I, I like that. And obviously, like I said, I hated that character for 13 Reasons Why. So I was happy to see the character die in this. Um, that also showed that there were more stakes to the movie because you've killed someone who was in Scream 4, who you might not have expected to even be in Scream 5. So that was that was interesting. As this stuff starts to progress, once Dewey gets the call from uh, from Sam, the, the house call or trailer call, from Sam and Richie where he tells them the rules. You know, you see him watching Gail Weathers on TV. And I think she's in New York. So you know that um, they're not together anymore. He calls Sydney, tells her that the uh, killer is back and not to show up. You see that Sydney now has two children and she doesn't plan to come to Woods- Woodsboro whatsoever. She says she checks on Gail. He ends up texting her, which I think was very funny. I thought that I thought that was actually great. Her that texting her fun. and then saying, hope you're doing well or whatever with a smiley face. Yeah, with a smiley face. And he's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have sent the smiley face. That was yeah. pretty funny. That was perfect Dewey. That was perfect Dewey. And then as everyone knows, Dewey is always the consummate good guy. So you know he wasn't going to just stick around in his trailer. So he goes to help Sam and Richie. And that's how he's tagging along for everything. Now. Tara is obviously mad at Sam because Sam tells her the story. It's a very stupid thing. She, you know, she was like 13. She goes up to the attic. She's reading her mom's old diaries. And in the diaries, she sees that her father is not truly her father, that it's Billy Loomis, and that the mom apparently didn't tell the father, the father that's been around, because when she goes to confront her mom and tell her and yell at her, it turns out her dad is right behind her or, you know, her stepdad technically is right behind her and he fucking leaves, even though you would think that Tara is his kid. So he's just like, I can't be around this bitch ever. So he's just gone. So now 
she's a single parent and they're the two daughters to raise. So Tara's obviously mad that Sam left her in that situation without talking to her about it because they could have had each other, all that boring, blah, 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 blah. But Tara's pretty fucked up and they make the comment later on that she's basically a pincushion. And she is. She was stabbed like fucking eight times or some shit and has a broken leg. And the knife went through her fucking hand at one point. So her hand is completely bandaged up. She's got one hand, one leg. She really is a walking pincushion. So at one point, the killer. So this is after the killer has killed Wes and the and the sheriff. And he's going to the hospital. And it's Dewey, Richie, and – or actually, sorry. It's Dewey and Sam going to find her because what, what Sam realizes is all the police officers are over taking care of the sheriff. So who's guarding her sister at the hospital? And I actually like that. I think that was a great reason to kill the sheriff Yeah, was to get all these dumb Woodsboro cops to leave. And, and go take care of that. That's that's good plot. That's good writing. So I like that part. Now, even though apparently no one works in that hospital, I, I thought that was kind of stupid, but it is what it is. So there, Tara realizes all the lights go out. She has to get away from Ghostface is going to be somewhere. She goes to hide. Who shows up but Richie? And then right behind Richie is the killer. The killer hits him, makes it obvious that, you know, he isn't going to kill him or the killer's not going to kill him. Gives him a little slash on a part that won't matter. And then now you've got, and by the way, they really milked how hurt Tara is. She's, every time she's trying to move in the wheelchair, her hand is bothering her. Like she's yelling out in pain. This is excruciating. And the reason why I bring this up is because of what happens later. But right now she's, you know, she's a walking duck. So <laughs> what do you call it? So uh, duck. <laughs> what did, wait, what did I say? You said walking duck. What is, what is it again? <laughs> a sitting duck. A sitting duck. <laughs> no, That's she's it. a rolling Canceled. duck. She was a rolling duck. She's a rolling duck. duck. A slowly rolling duck. <laughs> slowly rolling duck. Hey, that's a fucking great band name. Anyways. <laughs> so uh, Sam calls her phone, but the killer has it. And the killer is saying, tell me which one to kill. You know, her or Richie, you tell me which one and I'll kill and I will leave the other one alone. So she doesn't make a decision, obviously. She's buying time. I thought she did that reveal a little bit too early because the elevator doors weren't open yet. But it it still worked for her, which is lucky for her. And Dewey comes out and shoots the killer. And Richie is fine. The other thing besides the cut on Richie's arm that I thought was, you know, and the way he was knocked out was also when Dewey shoots the killer and the killer falls back into whatever the fuck that was, the glass case or whatever. You know that didn't kill the killer, but Richie is staring at the killer. And it's a different kind of stare. So at that point, he might think that Amber is dead. That's also, it was kind of weird the way he was constantly staring at the killer instead of looking at Dewey at that point, because that's the way you would snap in. Even being in shock, that's the way Mm -hmm. you would kind of snap in. Dewey's normally a smart guy. He gets everyone into the elevator, and you know he's going back. Oh, You know he's not going to stay with them. Because also, he's worried because Gail has shown up now. You know, the, the whatever company she's working for sent her out here because, once again, there's another killer in Woodsboro. Now, by the way, you would think maybe the fucking FBI and the fucking military 
would send people to Woodsboro because people tend to die here a fuck ton. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not do it? So, anyways, he goes back, and you know this is the end of Dewey. There is no way Dewey's not dead by doing this, even though he's doing the right thing. He goes up. He's got his gun. He loads it up again. He walks over. It's going to be a point-blank kill to the head, and you're like, I hope he survives, but there's no way he's going to. And all of a sudden, his phone rings, and like a fucking moron, he looks down. Maybe it's instinct. He looks down and the killer stabs him. And I will say, I felt genuinely sad when I was watching this scene because I grew up on this guy being the hero. I grew up on this guy being the the do-gooder. He keeps on getting shit in his life. Now, he makes bad decisions. Obviously, he's made some with Gail, for sure, leaving her in New York because he couldn't handle it, all that kind of stuff. You know, he's made some bad decisions in his life, but he was always a good person and a good guy. So to see him killed, but I appreciated the way they killed him because they made it. You are fucking dead. Oh yeah. Not, you know, because do we survive multiple stab wounds? Sometimes you think he, he's dead in a fucking movie. And at the end they show him being put into the uh, ambulance and you're like, what the fuck? How did we survive this? So, and I think that's almost every movie that he's been in, except for maybe scream four. So, I appreciate that they did it this way. I love the knife in the front, the knife in the back with the tear. I oh, thought that was, was brutal. Yeah, that was fucking brutal. Oh, and yeah. A character like him deserves to go out like that. Yeah. That's the way you fucking do it. it. It can't it can't be a regular little stab. It can't be, you know, he trips on something. You know, it can't be anything stupid. He got torn the fuck up. And that's the way you got to be. And I also like the killer. I know it was probably sarcastic. Actually, you know what? I honestly don't think it's sarcastic. When the killer said it's been an honor, that was actually really good writing as well. But it also shows that this character knows everything else is going on in the franchise. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of a, a, a important little note there. Now, I want to address something that's been happening. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, but... I want to go over it a little bit. There's something that's been happening with people online, and I really do try. That's why I actually am not in the category of the people that end up being the killers in this movie, because I don't go and talk about things on Reddit, on 4chan, on whatever the fuck. (laughs) I don't talk about things. I don't like having discussions with people unless it's a real discussion. Yeah. If you're DMing me and we're talking, that's completely fine. If you want to have a fucking phone call and talk about something, I'm completely fine with that too. I don't like having my stuff limited. I don't like that people don't know how to read correctly and read context and all that kind of stuff. It annoys the fuck out of me. So one of the things that's happening right now is people are a little upset that Amber is the killer because if you think about the scene we just talked about, Richie obviously isn't in the ghost face costume. So that means it has to be Amber that's in that costume. But Amber is probably like five foot nothing. Yeah. And she's towering above people and she's strong as fuck and you don't see her tits through the costume and all that bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she just took, what, three rounds to the chest? Even if you are wearing a bulletproof vest, the energy goes somewhere. Right. Yes, exactly. But and and people are like, oh, I can't believe this because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But let's go over this just as instead of just saying it's a movie. Because you can easily just say, it's a movie. Yeah. The other thing, though, too, is, as we know, all the Ghostface killers wear those boots. 
All of them. They all wear those boots that give you an extra, like, fucking four inches. So <laughs> right there would put her around probably the height of Dewey. So there's one thing. The other thing is with the bulletproof vest, you strap the tits down. The costume in general is a costume that is supposed to make you not be able to tell who the killer is. It's supposed to be genderless. It's supposed to be, you're not supposed to be able to tell height. That is the point of the costume. So there is really no point in arguing those types of things. Like just have it. That is the fucking costume and get over it. Okay. It can be anyone in there because one of the things they talk about in this movie, and we'll go back to this. We kind of, we're skipping around, but is when Mindy is talking uh, about the, the rules or or how a reboot and a requel is. And, and you and I will have a conversation about that in a second. But uh, one of the things that, that has always been mentioned when you talk about the killer in Scream, they have always mentioned that even though this isn't supernatural stuff, it's not Jason, it's not Freddy, it's not Michael Myers, it's not that kind of supernatural stuff. When the killer puts on that costume, they have supernatural powers. I know people don't want to admit that, whatever, but that has been inferred and almost stated multiple times that as the number of sequels goes up, the killer gets more powerful. They've talked about that. So it shouldn't matter. That's why you have to shoot the killer in the head. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to do these certain things because even though those three bullets or whatever should have knocked the wind out of Amber and made her unconscious. It's not enough because she has some special abilities while she's wearing that costume. Gotcha. Just the way it is. So people need to stop worrying about that fucking shit. Like it doesn't matter. The other (laughs) thing you could fucking say if you wanted to is no women in this movie should be as powerful as they are anyways. But almost every horror movie, every final girl has extra abilities that other people don't have. We're going to get to the final scene. How many times were people stabbed and shot? And they were still okay. Like, if, oh my god! Yeah, you can't get mad at you can't get mad at the killer if you're not going to get mad at everything. Yeah, it's got to be the number one trauma center in America. Oh, the amount of yeah. stab wounds they treated on like a three day basis. Yes, like everybody, like their survival rate is through the roof, and their hospital is empty. So, yes, like, right. you know, they're spending money the right way. They're like, hey, when a killer gets loose again. We're going to need to have emergency technicians that are really good at patching stab wounds. Right, right. Because, and by the way, that knife, I fucking love that knife so much. It's just a badass fucking knife. So yeah. that thing's going to do some fucking damage. It's slicing through people like fucking butter. And I know that's oh, a yeah. very overused phrase, but it's fucking true. Like a hot knife through fucking blood and guts and intestines and your heart and all that kind of shit. Like that's what that fucking knife does. Plus, they should probably I don't I don't often say that people should be regulated on the things that they purchase, but maybe you should regulate anyone who buys that fucking knife. Yeah, that specific knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're cutting your nice steak with that knife. You're doing some fucking murdering. You're butchering In that some town people. they should have known. Yeah, in that town <laughs> it should be banned. There should be like a serial number on each of those. Like normally I'm all for everyone's fucking freedoms. But if I lived in Woodsboro, I would be like fucking ban the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So <laughs> it's just it's just fun. Player. So you have to follow the rules of horror movies, which Scream does and makes fun of and is very meta about. You have to understand final girls have special powers. 
people in costumes who are killing people have special powers. Just the way it fucking goes. Get yeah. the fuck over it. Now, let's talk about the setup that Mindy and I, I mean, really, it's it's Mindy more than Chad. So at one point when Dewey joins the group, he brings all the friends group into uh, Randy's sister's house. Martha, I think is is his name. Yeah, Martha Meeks. And they have a shrine to Randy, which I think is fucking hilarious because their type of family would do something like that. So I really appreciate that. And then Mindy starts breaking down the types of movies, horror movie sequels, elevated horrors. And what she calls this movie is a requel, a requel instead of a sequel. Now, have you ever heard that word before? No. Me neither. So I'm kind of thinking that they actually made up that word, and that probably will be a new word in our vernacular. Yeah, it definitely fits. Yeah, because this really isn't necessarily a reboot. And they go in, I I would love to do this word for word. I'm sure once I've seen this movie over 100 times, I will be able to. (laughs) I can do all the monologues from Scream, all that kind of stuff. But I can't do this right now. So basically, she's talking about the difference between a reboot and a sequel and a requel and the elements that have to go in where you want to bring the legacy characters in, but you also want some new blood and you want to pass the torch on. And it's a good speech. You know, she talks about how reboots don't work, like the child's play one and stuff, which I think is great because that fucking movie is god awful. And most reboots don't work. Plus, they make, they take a couple shots at Ryan Johnson, which I thought was very funny. And apparently, I knew that there were no after credit scenes. So I left as soon as, you know, the movie was done. But, there And there are no after credit scenes. But at the end, uh, I read that there's a special thanks part of the movie and they actually special thanks uh, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> it must be either there's, you know, some, you know, um, camaraderie or, you know, they know each other. Maybe the writers, whatever, might know him. But they take a lot of shots at Star Wars and they take a lot of shots basically doing what you and I have done in, in many shows, which is just trying to tell people what the formula is. There's a very specific formula that people use for this stuff. And this one, they talk about reboots. So, or requels, Uh requels, sorry. So they talk about how reboots don't work. They talk about how this is basically a requel. And it talks about, like I said, the legacy characters like Dewey, Gale, and Sydney, you know, the sheriff, stuff like that. And then the new cast of characters, plus the ones that are familiar, like themselves, the twins that are related to Randy, and then now Sam, who's related to Billy. So I thought that whole scene worked pretty well, and it made sense to come from Mindy because she's related to Randy. So I I thought all that was good. Did that make sense to you? I think it was a bit much for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was was tough. It was, I think it captured a lot of important information as to what the movie was, but it made it ultra meta, which is both good and bad. Right. And it could have been, I think it covered all the useful details, but as somebody who doesn't spend a lot of time in this franchise, I think I didn't get as much out of it as I could have if I watched all the movies a lot more. See, that was, that was the Randy speech. So Randy got to make a similar speech in Scream 1, he got to make a speech in Scream 2, and then in Scream 3. So that, and I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say anything for Scream 4, but in general, that that's where that came from. So that's why people would enjoy that. At least fan service wise, people are going to enjoy that. That's kind of the way it works. Gotcha. So after Dewey is killed, obviously Sydney shows up and I, you know, I fucking in my, in my uh, body, not in, 
person, I just I fanboyed out for sure because <laughs> I fucking love Sydney. She shows up and she's just a fucking badass. She is. I I don't care what anyone says. The one thing Nev Campbell didn't do was do other slasher movies. She only. I don't even think she ever did a horror movie except for the Scream franchise. She is the Scream queen, and I'm not making a pun. Jamie Lee Curtis can fucking suck it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the new Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, fuck what that shit. Doing? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell, Scream Queens all the way. So yep. she's a badass. She knows exactly. I Even though they ruined it, ruined it in the trailer, I still love when Dewey asked her if she had a gun. And she said, I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, by the way, for anyone listening who might not have picked it up, uh, when she said her husband is Mark, that is Mark from Scream 3, the detective. He was supposed to be in Scream 4, but the I think Patrick Dempsey had other obligations, so he wasn't in Scream 4, but that is who she's married to in the Scream uh, universe, I guess if you want to call it. So that was kind of a nice little add-in. They, they did a couple of things in the movie to shout out people. So at one point they show Elm Street, you know, as a as a little thing for Wes. And then they also showed at, uh, in the hospital, I think, they were playing, uh, I almost said Donnie Darko, they were playing Dawson's Creek, which is what Kevin Williamson created. So I'm sure there are even more Easter eggs that I didn't pick up right away, um, but those are little, you know, extras and whatnot. So Sydney shows up, she's with Gail. They want to, they want Sam to stay and fight because they know she's strong. Sydney knows that, you know, she's Billy Loomis's kid. She doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't care. Now, I would have actually preferred if she had made reference to also killing her grandma. <laughs> I, think <that> would have, <laughs> I would have liked that personally. <laughs> just just a little, you know, like, hey, your whole fucking family's crazy. So I would think you might be crazy, too. You know, whatever. You know, not only did yeah. I kill your father, I killed your mom, your, your his father. Ah, wow. I killed your grandma as well. But that didn't happen. So. Basically, Sam is saying, I'm not doing what other horror movies do. I'm not sticking around. I, we are the fuck out of here. So she gets Tara, she gets Richie, and she says, we're getting the fuck out. Richie wants to leave. Now, I think that's genuine. I think Richie does want to leave. Even though he is the killer, I think it's much easier for him to kill people when Sydney's not around. So yeah. I think that's legitimate. He convinces uh, Sam to say, no, we're leaving. Nev Campbell, Sidney Prescott puts a tracker on the car and then Gail Weathers and her have their banter and stuff and, you know, they go to drive after them. Ooh, one quick note there yes. that little issue with the movie. Oh, when Dewey comes to pull the car around. Yep. Um, somehow Tara gets in the car. You like, mean Richie, Richie. Yeah, 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 Richie. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking. Oh, no, yeah, it's, yeah. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, when Richie's pulling the car around, like somehow she get Tara gets in the car or something while yeah. Sam's talking to Sydney. Now, they did, they did make reference to the fact that Tara did that every time she gets something bad happens to her, they give her more painkillers. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> right, which, and I'm only thinking that that's the way they're going with this because you're right. At that moment, once she has tried to get away from Ghostface when Dewey was killed and she was on the ground and, you know, you think she's going to die again. She's in tremendous pain. Now she doesn't have that pain and she seems to get around pretty well, which is crazy. Yeah. But I'm going to chalk it up to being addicted to painkillers by now. So yeah, that that's, makes sense. that's what I'm going to go for. So the only boy had epidemic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what Scream does. They point out political things. They point out what's going on in our world. 
It's a, it's a very meta, <laughs> meta movie. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, Sydney and Gail are, are following their car, but they're pretty far behind them. And at this point, they mention, you know, Gail's like, I can't believe this is all my fault. I wrote that book. This started it all. And Sydney goes, no, of course, that wasn't you. Billy started it all. That annoyed me because, like I said, I think she should have said Roman and then said that, you know, whatever. But, you know, retconning and doing whatever. She probably doesn't think about it, her fucking half-brother because no one cares. So he's <laughs> fucking dead anyways. I mean, she's killed two people of her family. Even though Dewey technically killed Roman, she did stab him a bunch of times. Um, she had to kill Jill and she killed Roman. <laughs> God. What a tough life. Oh, dude. And her mom obviously was brutally murdered and her yep. father died. I think her father died of natural causes though, but she, her, her whole life is, is wrought with death. I mean, that's, that's Sydney Prescott's life, but she's living her best fucking life. Cause she's married to Mark and she's got two kids and she lives somewhere cool in California and she's Sydney fucking Prescott. So it works for yeah. her. So then it turns out now I kind of like this and I kind of didn't, they go to, so Tara realizes they've set this up multiple times that she needs her inhaler, right? So she realizes she can't find her inhaler. So they have to stop somewhere to get it and she mentions because amber they mentioned amber being protective of her whatever and her best friend her uh spare inhaler is over at her place mm. so they go to this place and richie doesn't richie's putting up too much of a fight once again you know he's the killer by then anyways most likely so he doesn't want to go but he obviously decides to go because he wants them there anyways and they show up and they're having a fucking memorial party for Wes. And especially someone like Mindy should know better than being at this party. Yeah. So they've kind of thrown all that stuff out. I mean, Randy should have known better in Scream 1 as well. But I think in general, he got better in the second one about knowing bad situations you shouldn't be in. But anyways, once again, it's a requel. So they have to do certain <laughs> things from the previous movies, I guess, to make it familiar for everybody. So and also... They probably don't have any better ideas either. So that's how that's how they do it. And it turns out that the fucking house that they're at is Stu Mocker's house. I don't know how in a blood fucking bath you don't tear down a fucking house like that. <laughs> or did they sell it to Amber's parents at like the cheapest fucking rate you could possibly have? Oh. Like how how do you get away with that? Yeah, if you buy that house, you should be put on the list, too. If you buy yes. that one type of knife, and if you buy that house, the, the police should be watching you 24-7. Agreed. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Like, I'm sure that Casey Becker, her, her parents probably sold their house from Scream 1. That, that was Drew Barrymore's character. Their daughter was gutted, pulled through their lawn, and hung from the fucking tree in front of their house. I almost guarantee you they left that house. And if anyone bought that house, they should be put on a list as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just the fucking way it is. So right there, you know, oh, Amber's parents. That's Amber's parents' house. Oh, of course. She's a fucking killer. Like, of course. <laughs> so they have a little back and forth. I don't, don't want to go any, over everything in there. But, you know, Chad, Liv wants to have sex finally with Chad. And Chad's like, I don't know if you're the killer or not. So I don't want to be alone with you. Actually, legitimately a thing he should have done. So makes sense. Yep. 
Uh, she leaves the party and he goes after her. They do the whole phone thing where he thinks he's near her. He gets attacked by the killer. I really did think he was dead. Yeah. I, I did think he was dead on that one, but I should have known they were going to pull a Randy later and, and we'll get to that. So now uh, Tara shows up. The killer leaves Rand, uh, sorry, Randy, leaves Chad to die. Uh, they show up and Sam makes Richie tell everyone to leave. So everyone leaves. Richie is seemingly okay with everything. He also has a moment where he asks Mindy where the beer is. And Mindy says in the basement. They had a basement thing with Amber earlier where you could definitely tell that Amber was a killer. And now you've got something with Richie. And Richie says, okay, I'll be right back. And then they both laugh, which shows how much Richie knows about the movies when already before he said he's never really seen them. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. So he goes down there. Obviously, he changes into the killer costume at some point. What, where do I want to go with this? Mindy gets attacked, but not killed. She's watching the Randy scene in Stab 1. See, we haven't even talked about the Stab movies, but we'll we'll get to that. So, so Mindy gets attacked, but they kind of catch the killer in the act. The killer gets away. That had to have been Richie at that point. Because Amber comes back and Liv comes back and everyone's like, what the fuck? And Liv, everyone's pointing at Liv being the killer. She's like, I'm not the killer. I'm not the killer. And then Amber goes, I know. And she pulls out a gun and shoots her in the head. And then you're like, okay, yeah. so there's one there's one down. <sighs> and then at that time, uh, I think, oh, yeah. Nev- so now Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers show up. They've got both. Both of them have guns. They don't call the police. They want to take care of this themselves, I guess. So they show up and Amber stumbles out of Stu's house. Oh, by the way, they did the reveal that it is Stu Mocker's house. You know, so everyone's like, what the fuck? You know, why are we doing this again? Uh, They show up. Amber comes out like she's bleeding and like she's been attacked. And they look at each other like, are you buying this? (laughs) Like, no. So So all three of them, yeah, all three of them pull their guns and... I don't know how how Amber got it, but she shoots Gail in the stomach before either of them are able to shoot Amber, uh, which is whatever. Gail says she's not going to leave. She wants to finish this. Go in there, Sydney. Get them, whatever. Sydney's going through, and she's doing a pretty cool thing uh, that I'm so glad that they did. So she announces herself, and she says, hey, I'm here. I've got my gun. I need you to come out here, killer or not, or I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. So right there's fine. And then she goes through and you see all these different places that she knows because of what happened in screen one. And she just yeah. shoots in the door. She doesn't open the door and have the gun out so she can be like, no, she's not taking any chances. She's just shooting the doors that are closed, which I think is <laughs> fucking great. Like I'm, I'm yeah. all for that. So she gets a call from the killer. The killer's playing the game. She gets annoyed with it, which I also thought was great. She's like, I'm bored and fucking closes the phone and then shoots into the one room where uh what's his name richie is and i guess she shoots him in the leg right yep as she goes in there she's like why didn't you come out he's like you're shooting people i'm not gonna come out and then the killer is right there with him and attacks sydney they both sydney and the killer go over the um the um banister and you've got Richie trying to jump his way down, talking to Sydney. He's like, get the gun. He's like, it would have been easier if you hadn't shot me. And he goes down there and you have Sam show up. That's the whole moment where as Richie gets down the stairs, he pulls out his knife and stabs Sam. 
and you're like, okay, now we're where we need to be with this. So you've got yep. Amber as a killer, you've got Richie as a killer, and then now they do the whole ending of Scream 1 in the same fucking location <laughs> and do the whole master plan. So yeah. I want to ask you now, obviously I've been talking a lot, I'm going to take a sip of this beer. I want you to tell me what the plan was. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is going to get a little rough. All right, I guess their plan, because they met on Reddit and they, they loved the Stab movies, their plan was to gain notoriety from themselves and to show people what the Stab movies are truly about by bringing some of the old characters back as well as um, finally tying up the end of having Sam, who is the evil blood, framed as the murderer to right. like kind of kick the next, I don't know, bunch of killings off. Right. Yeah, their, their plan was to, because the Stab movies originally were built on true life, quote-unquote true life, which is the movies we're watching. So Stab mm -hmm. 1 was about Scream 1 and Stab, you know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. Stab 2 was about you know, Scream 2, all that kind of shit. And then obviously there weren't any more real life things for the movies to be based on. So at this time in this universe, in the Scream universe, the Stab films were up to number 8. And in Scream 4, they had made mention that there was like a time travel one in one of them. And then the eighth one was so bad that basically they were saying as super fans, and I'm surprised, I don't think, did they ever use the word Stan at all? I don't remember. I was actually kind of surprised because I thought they would have said Stan or Simp, which are two fucking yeah. words that I despise. But that's <laughs> that's basically who they were making fun of, were people that would describe themselves as a Simp for something or a Stan of something. So, and if you notice, my love for Nev Campbell is not standing her because I'm an adult and that's fucking <laughs> stupid. So that's what they were doing is they were trying to give a real life, you know, scream, real life, you know, massacre of people again. And that way they would be able to make more stab movies that were good. So that was, that was the point. And they mentioned fan fiction. That's basically what they were doing. Yeah. Toxic, you know, people will. When they talk about this movie, they'll talk about a toxic fan base, but I don't I don't think that's accurate. Uh, a toxic fan base is someone that the fan base goes after people in a in a different way. They don't legitimately kill people. Yeah. To get their point across. We're we we live in a world of pussies. You have to <laughs> you have to understand that, Nick. Yeah. Keyboard warriors. Yeah, yeah. Being being in the position I've been in where I've been doing this for over 10 years, I've talked about death threats that I've gotten. Uh, I'm I'm a very easily recognizable person in real life. So when I talk about having the music shows, I know tons of bands. Other podcasts know me. People have said shit about me online. They will never say it to your face. Ever. I am never worried. I know this is this is pretty funny doing this on a horror podcast or whatever. But <laughs> I, I am not worried about someone coming to kill me. I, I'm oh, not. Oh, man, I'm going to use that at your U.S. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of upset, Ian, you know, now that you bring it up, I've, you know, been helping, you know, guest, guest appearing. I like you for almost said guest a year starring. now. You almost said fucking yeah, guest ooh, starring. Call myself. <laughs> no, 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 I've been assisting with the show for about a year now. I haven't received a single death threat. I guess I have to have stronger opinions. I've kind of been. I don't know, less opinionated yeah. about the last couple of movies. I should really get in and piss a fan group off exactly. next time. Yeah, well, you're also not on social media, really. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. If that's you were sharing it. the show, 
and saying like, hey, I'm Nick from Ian Hates Movies, and I think that fucking DC movies should suck all the balls. You know, <laughs> you, would, you would get the death Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I got some buddies who are really way too into DC movies. Oh, Anonymity is probably key here. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> fucking yes. losers are who those people are. Dumb fucking losers, that's right. And anyone who doesn't agree with my scream opinions are dumb fucking losers. Take it, You're bitches. dumb. Yeah, you dummies. <laughs> big fucking dummy. So anyway, so it's, it's one of those things where we, we live in a society where people now look, not saying that terrible, awful things don't happen where a person wants notoriety and attention. So they go shoot up a place that definitely fucking happens for sure. But you don't have people going, Hey, I want to create a horror movie for people. I don't like the way the saw franchise has been. So I'm going to set up my own fucking (laughs) jigsaw shit. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So that was that was my and I think also by doing this, they were kind of trying to make fun of Scream fans in a way. And I always think that that's kind of weird. It's the same way Matrix just did their whole little meta thing where they were making fun of fans of, of the Matrix. Yeah. And I think they were doing that here. And it's always really funny to me when a writer plays holier than thou. Yeah. And tries to pretend like they're the only ones that have good ideas. It's simply not true. There are literally bad movies that could be uh, improved on if the right writers are in charge of it. Yeah. For sure. So why always say, like, I just, for instance, I think my idea for having Stu Mocker be the father of Sam would have been a better way of doing the Billy Loomis thing. But... I'm also not going to fucking buy one of those knives and go, those fucking writers, I can't believe it. I'm going to show them. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's stupid. Yeah. So, but I I like the idea in general, I think, because you knew you weren't, unless Dewey was a killer or some uh, some shit, you knew you weren't going to really care about who the killer was. It was more, it was actually what they talked about, I believe it was this point, Maybe it was Dewey. Maybe it was Dewey who said it. It was either Dewey or Mindy. But whoever said that Scream isn't about a slasher movie, it's actually a mystery whodunit. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Everyone goes into Scream trying to figure out who the killer is. Mm-hmm. And then during this scene where they're telling their motive to everybody, uh, they do mention that Scream doesn't have a actual killer that people can root for. They don't have a killer that continually comes back. It's not like Freddy and Jason and Michael, which is an interesting concept. You always consider Ghostface as a killer in Scream, but it's always a different person. So you're not rooting for that person to come back. You're seeing who, if you can guess who the new killer is going to be. Yeah. So they specifically say that. Now, part of their plan, obviously, is they've set up Sam to be the scapegoat so they would survive. And now I don't know what their plan would be. I mean, Mickey's plan in Scream 2 was that with him and the and Billy Loomis's mom being the sole survivors, Billy Loomis's mom would go away, would would get away with it and he would take full responsibility for the killings and then go to court and blame the movies. And say, those fuck me up. And it would be this huge attention grab for him and he'd become famous and shit like that. That's what he wanted. I'm not exactly sure besides them writing another stab movie based on this on these events. 
I'm not really sure what they would do. Maybe they would just continue on in, in different areas. But I think the same way Stu and Billy wanted to do the same thing, they wanted to do sequels to what they were doing, you would get caught doing that. It's not possible in a real-world situation to have that happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because at some point they're going to go, well, these two fuckers have been in every single place that all these multiple murders have happened with a ghost face. It's just, yeah. it, it's not really going to happen. So, you know, so right now, let's let's do a little stab count here. So right now, Tara is a pincushion, though somehow she's walking around on crutches now and seems to be able to get around with, with barely any problem. And you've got Sam, who has a knife in the gut mm-hmm. and had it twisted too, which is normally like a death thing. She should be bleeding out completely but once again she's a final girl so she Mm -hmm. has a special supernatural ability to not heal necessarily but to stay alive you've got gail who has the shot to the stomach and then sydney as she tries to get away they stab her as well now i never felt like sydney was in danger of dying no i i just i didn't feel that nope now, am I missing anyone in that scenario? Because Mindy, Mindy's taken out. You don't think she's dead, maybe, but she has nothing to do with these scenes whatsoever. So, yeah, no, she's completely out of the picture. So am I right on that? Yep. All right. So at some point before this whole monologue of, of the killer's motives and, and whatnot, uh, they do mention Richie at some point puts it in Sam's head that perhaps Tara is the killer. And once again, these are all red flags to saying that Richie is definitely one of the killers. Oh, for yeah. Sure, for sure. But they kind of play it off based on editing that at one point when Sam's looking around for Tara to get her inhaler, that Tara is tied up with duct tape in one of the closets and it looks like she might not untie her because she's having second guesses of whether or not she can trust her or not because she hasn't known her for what five eight years or some shit like that so that's what richie was playing off of of your you know she's the bait but she could obviously be the killer as well how well do you really know her Mm -hmm. so at this time they make the move basically that tara is or tara was actually undone uh that's what sam tells richie and Tara takes out Amber when they're when they're walking around. So now you've got everyone just as a melee, basically, where Richie's still going because he doesn't understand what's going on. Like Amber goes to get Amber goes to get Tara the same way that Stu went to get uh um Sydney's father in Scream One. But that time, but at this time, she wasn't there because she was cut loose by Sam. So now then Tara attacks Amber. And then it's Gail and Sydney versus Amber as uh, Richie is going to find Sam. That's right, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you basically get the showdown between Sam and Richie while Richie is making all of his sarcastic jokes and talking about how they're going to be the heroes and blah, 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 blah. And then Amber is pretending that she... <laughs> Basically, almost like a Stu character. She says that 4chan uh, warped her mind and blah, blah, blah. And they don't fall for it. So they fight back. And then Gail ends up shooting her multiple times and then lights her on fire with the stove. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> oh, man. 
And what was nice was when they kind of got away from Amber, because it looks like at some point, once again, she still has a little bit of power because even though she's not wearing Ghostface, she's the killer. So she has mm-hmm. a little bit of supernatural power. And Gail and Sydney don't, I mean, they, they don't know better. Yeah, they're 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 final girls, but they don't look jacked. It's not like Sydney Prescott was in the gym all the time. Like she works <laughs> out for sure. I mean, that body, I mean, my God. Ooh. But in general, they are not. You know, they're not working out the way that fucking um, Sarah Connor was working out waiting for, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that kind of thing. So it's still girls fighting each other. I mean, that's that's what it is. And I'm sorry. I know I'll get a lot of fucking hate for that, I'm sure. But women are the most powerful in horror movies, so I don't understand why you're complaining about anything. (laughs) So now she's on fire, so they're like, yeah, we did this, blah, blah. And then Sam is now fighting with uh, Richie pretty much in the same area that uh, Sidney Prescott was fighting Billy Loomis back in back mm-hmm. in the day. And this once again, I was <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't really know how to feel about this. But at some point it looks like, you know, fucking um, Sam is crawling on the ground and Richie's in his power dominance. Like, I'm just toying around with you. I'm going to fucking kill you and you're going to get the blame, blah, blah. But she looks up and Billy's ghost is there, and he's nodding and looking down at where one of the knives have fallen mm-hmm. underneath the curtain. I don't know, man. I <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, mixed, confused. I, in the moment, enjoyed it, but when the movie ended, I enjoyed it a lot less. Yeah. yeah I think I... It's, it's soapy. It's, it's crap. Yeah. Um, I like the way that when she, like, after she has that scene, I think the only reason it kind of worked out for me is because, like, she goes absolutely apeshit stabbing yes. Richie. Yes, when like, she gets the when, knife. Yeah. to me, it made sense. Yeah, when she's crawling and she sees the knife, Richie thinks he's in the dominant position. He's about to kill her. She's got the knife when he doesn't know it, and she makes that snarky comment, like, I, oh, shit, I forget. It's something like, never, never bet on someone whose father is a psychopath or I don't know. It's some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, like a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, and stabs him through the fucking face with a knife <laughs> and then gets on top of him and then just goes fucking ape shit, like you said. Just fucking stab and stab and stab and stab and stab. And that would have played off of your thought process of, well, maybe now she's just going to start being a killer and she's going to be like, yeah. well, fuck you, Sydney, fuck you, Gail, and take him out. And then she's the sole survivor with her and her sister, and her sister doesn't know any better. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they could have done that. But they didn't. They just had, you know, and he's like, oh, what about my final scene? Or blah, I, don't, I don't fucking remember. You're finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah what yeah. about my finish? You're finished. Blah, 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 blah. You know how it goes. Yeah. You end with that part. And <laughs> now you've got all the final girls together. You've got Tara, like I said, who's walking around. Or whatever, but she's not in the scene yet. So you know she's somewhere. And then it's Sam, Sydney, and Gail. And then all of a sudden, obviously, out of the <laughs> the other room comes in a burned off face Amber, still looking to kill people. And then here comes fucking Tara and is able to shoot her in the fucking head, which I still don't. I I highly doubt uh, Tara has ever held a gun before, but she shoots this running psychopath who has a melted fucking face. In the head. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Sam takes a gun from Sydney and shoots Richie a bunch of times as well. So now we've got the end. 
They go out. All the police and ambulances are there. Terrorists strapped up. She says, I don't want to go to Woodsboro Hospital. But once <laughs> again, I think Woodsboro Hospital is the only place that knows how to deal with all these stab wounds. So, oh, yeah. They're experts at it by now. You would think. So Sam's going to go with her, but she sees Gail and Sydney. So she goes over and talks to them and says, you know, like, am I going to be okay? And they say, eventually. And Gail talks about how she's going to write another book. But this time it's just going to be about, you know, Dewey. It's not going to be a, you know, Woodsboro murder, the book. The other thing, too, they didn't even bring up that fucking uh, Sydney wrote a book, Out of Darkness. They didn't even fucking talk about the whole reason why she was back in Woodsboro for Scream 4. But once again, so it, it's just, it was it was kind of cool. There was kind of almost like a passing of the torch kind of moment, which was okay. Um, and then also, this is when I laughed again, because I think they saw Billy's ghost like walk away. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be like, fuck yeah, Billy, father of the year. Yeah. Father of the fight. Like, <laughs> why retcon that character to make him likable? Like, it's yeah, just kind of so, weird. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. But I just, what other father did a better job than what he did? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Set her up uh, for success. So then they leave and they kind of do the end scene where there's another reporter that's talking about the killings that happened once again. And that that's the end of the movie. And they said four yeah. Wes at the end of the movie, and then they went in. I did forget to mention, they also did put the amazing song that I will always love, Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seed, uh, Seeds in the movie as well. So I was I was happy about that. But that was that was the end of the movie. Now, did we miss anything at all? I don't no. think so, right? I don't think so. All right. So, I mean, talking about it, there are definitely parts that I like. As I mentioned, I would like to see it again. For sure. I, for without a doubt, I say this is better than four. For sure. I do not put this over three because I think people should go back and watch three and realize that they did what they were supposed to do in that movie. So I can't, I can't put that movie above. I can't put five above three yet. Maybe in the future, maybe seeing it a few more times, I might change my rankings, but I still have to go right now. It's for me, it's one, two, three, five, and four. Except. I I do think it's a good movie for people to see. I think people are being generous with the Rotten Tomato scores because I think people are still, I don't think people know how to critique a movie anymore. No, they definitely don't. Yeah, I I just don't think it works anymore. So Rotten Tomato scores don't really mean that much. But so I I would put this down in the 60s or 50s probably if, if I was doing the score. Uh, But I think it's interesting. I think that it gives you something to think about. I think in most cases, the acting was fine. I think there were very good parts of the storyline and good ideas that they followed through with. But it was sloppy at parts. It's definitely not flawless. And I definitely had issues. But I think we talked about most of those for sure, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was your – now, after this talk, because you did mention, did this change your opinion on the movie in a positive or negative way? The real thing that it kicked off is I'm definitely going to go on Peacock and watch Scream 1 right after we're done talking. Okay, all right. And I thought about that, and I'm like, I don't really have any interest in seeing Scream 5, like, realistically ever again. Like, if it comes on, like, and during Halloween or something, (laughs) like, I mean, I'm in the mood for a slasher. Like, I'll watch this. It's a good movie. It was entertaining. Yeah. But... I think, you know, thinking specifically about the first screen movie, like 
you already know the big twist, but you can rewatch it. And since it's such a good mystery, like you can start to piece the things together and like, oh, you notice something on the second viewing where you're like, oh, they're definitely the killer. And here's how you can tell. And you build your own conclusions. Yeah. With this, I don't think rewatching it, I would gain anything about just by knowing the killers. Like, no, I think now that that mystery is spoiled for me because I watched it and it was an enjoyable film. Mm hmm. I don't think there's any value in watching it again to like now that the mystery has been spoiled, like now that I know the big killer reveal, like I'm not going to notice anything new about like, Oh, Richie did this. Oh, that totally shows that he was a killer. Or, oh, I should have known it was Amber sooner because of this scene. Like right. to me, there's no value in that. No, I don't, I don't look at it from that way either. I think I would enjoy it just because I'm such a huge fan of the franchise. I would enjoy for looking for more Easter eggs. And then I have a genuine, as as you know, from the movies that we've done, you know, when we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that, I have a genuine love for horror in general. And I love when movies don't play stupid. Now, obviously, yeah. the party was a stupid plan, but <laughs> Amber was the killer. So what did she care? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's fine. But Scream 4 was littered with, all of the dumbest characters you can possibly have in a horror movie, it was done on purpose for sure, but that still doesn't make it good. In this movie, I don't think a whole lot of people did that many dumb things, to be quite honest. When when the sheriff was rushing home, you know, to get to her son, you know, you knew the killer was with her son for sure. She did call for police backup. She did. So she didn't do anything stupid like that. And rushing into the house... You knew what was coming when you saw the type of angle that they were using. But mm-hmm. in general, the person in that situation is not going to be thinking about that. And the killer, I mean, they did it in broad daylight. They did it in broad daylight and not only just stabbed her that one time, got on top of her and kept stabbing as well. Yeah. So there were different, un, more unpredictable things that still worked in that situation. And then even Wes, even though he didn't have it with him when he went up to the shower, he, when he went for his jog before coming back, he had pepper spray and a taser with him, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end, before he died, he was reaching for said pepper spray or taser. Yeah. So, you know, in general, besides the character Liv, who was obviously just the red herring, most people did a pretty good job of being normal, but having an escalated idea of possible danger because let's also not forget they live in Woodsboro. So they live in the place where those killings took place and they know that anytime Dewey, Sydney, or Gale are around, people have the ability to die. Yeah. In general, I look for those little things. I look at the Dewey killing. I look at some of the other killings. Like even though I wish that the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street, Kyle Garner or whatever, would have had a bigger role. That's actually kind of a cool way to kill somebody. You know, it's almost like this character literally doesn't exist whatsoever or doesn't matter whatsoever. I'm just going to knife poke him in the fucking neck and that's it. Yeah. So there are little things that I appreciate based on what was done. Plus, we like the first scene, you know, with the dialogue and the automatic locks, locks, all that kind of stuff. There were plenty of things for me to like in this. Mm-hmm. I just don't I don't want any more. Oh. That's that's the thing. Like I think they're going to make more screams. They I think they've talked about how like Nev Campbell's on board and stuff like that, but I really don't want any more because the story was done at 3. The yeah. happy ending was there. I was good with that. 
But now you just keep on going and I'm not sure there's a point of it other than for them to make money. Yeah, thinking back on it, I completely agree. I, I don't need this to go any further. Yeah. I'm just going to keep rewatching the first one and second one. Like, yeah. that's completely good by me. Well, look, here's two things. Besides, there are great parts in, in Scream 1 and Scream 2 that can be rewatched no matter what. But just think about the ending scenes. Scream 1 has one of the greatest endings. Like I said, that whole talk where originally Billy's like, there are no motives. Like, this is, we're doing this because we want to. And then he falls back into his little fucking mama's boy thing where he really does show he has a motive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a that's a big deal. All that back and forth, how Sydney gets away, how smart she is when she's doing it, all that kind of stuff works very well. Oh, we did forget to mention. So, Chad doesn't die and Mindy don't die. And they both have basically a very similar, like, Randy-type scene or Dewey-type scene where at the end they're both being put into ambulances. So I I did want to mention that as well. That's kind of a nice, you know, that's kind of a nice how do you do to, the you know, referencing the past movies and stuff. But you've got that from Scream 1. And then in Scream 2, you've got that that final scene is great too because you know Sydney has, she's damaged from the first movie, from the first uh, stuff she had with Billy. So she doesn't trust Derek. Mm-hmm. Derek is strung up. You've got Mickey, who's the killer. And Mickey is played by Timothy Oliphant, who's fucking awesome. So you've got that whole part. And then you've got the reveal of Billy Loomis's mom. And you've got the whole showdown with Gail, who gets shot in the stomach, which is exactly what happened in Screen 5. So once again, they're paying homage to or re-sequeling, requeling what happened. And then you've got the stuff with Cotton Weary. And Cotton Weary, who you know is a good guy at that time, you really do, but he plays it so well and they ha- and he ends up being the one to kill the mom. Like, it's just such a, such a really well done sequel to an original classic. Yeah. So you'll always have both of those to watch and enjoy. You don't really need any more because no. they're right. Scream is a whodunit. So yeah, you're going to get the mystery, but who do you really care is the killer? There aren't any more people to care about. Yeah. Like unless they wait 20 years and they make, you know, Nev Campbell's uh, daughter, uh, Sydney Prescott's uh, uh, kids killers or whatever. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know why you would even bother doing that besides money, obviously. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm with you, man. I I, I, I like I, I do look forward to watching Scream 5 again. I absolutely do. I do think it's going to be one that I will watch multiple times. Unlike Scream 4. I watched Scream 4 recently. I own it. I definitely own it, and I watched it recently, and it still fucking sucks, but there are things that I picked out of it that I liked that I think have aged better than when they originally came out, and I think the same thing is going to happen here, but I definitely think Scream 5 is better than Scream 4. Yeah. So there we go. Any uh, final things you want to talk about, or are we all good? I think we're all good. Yeah, I think my summary would be for somebody who's you know not you know too crazy about the franchise, not too knowledgeable at all about it, and honestly not the biggest fan of i guess this type of mystery horror it was great i great's too strong a word it was enjoyable <laughs> sure. um good date night movie it's it's solid it, it makes you think a little bit yeah, yeah I, I would say in theaters it's not a bad time if you're looking to just escape to a theater it's a nice immersive experience yeah i would i would definitely agree with that so yeah i think all in all we had 
a lot of positive things to say. I think obviously we joked about the things we wanted to make fun of. I, I still I'll have to wait to see the Billy Loomis scenes again because I just <laughs> as, as I was watching it and then afterwards I was just like I can't wait to make a ghost dad reference. Like I can't wait to <laughs> joke around about this. It's just it's very funny to retcon characters like that because it just doesn't yeah. make any sense to do it. Uh, but it is what it is. So I hope everyone enjoyed us talking about that, our, our spoiler full episode of everything. Um, Nick, do you have any final words for everyone? No, uh, everybody uh, stay safe, stay warm, and uh, enjoy your winter. Don't get stabbed. Stuff like Don't that. get stabbed. Or if you do get stabbed, there are certain hospitals you should definitely yes. go to. <laughs> Look up the fictitious town of Woodsboro and find out where to go. <laughs> and I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.